And he asked me, he said, how do we, what do you do for that person who will never ask you a question, Rob? Because you try to make the floor open, right? I said, yeah, great question. He's like, can we like do some kind of thing that we can uh, have interaction with you while you preach? It's a great idea. And one of the things that you know here at the plant, that it's our desire to not have me tell you what to do, but to engage in faith with you. And so this morning, we're going to be doing something new that is going to be here for a long, long time. And I'm going to give you an an opportunity every single week that while I preach, if you have a question, you can text me that question, okay? There's going to be a number on the screen, okay? Now, this may sound hokey, but this is real, okay? This is not about coming to church and having me tell you what to do. Because you're going to be hearing things all throughout these years. Things that I'm going to say that are going to tick you off. Things that you're going to question. Things that you've been wrestling with and you've never, ever, ever have had anyone give you a clear answer. And I want to help you with that tension. And so here's how we're going to begin it today. We're going to be looking at a very hard passage. And there's two things that I want you to think about right now. First... What is the one prayer request you have begged God to answer, yet it hasn't? Think. What's the one thing that you have begged God to answer, and He hasn't, and it causes you confusion every time you're excited about taking that next step of faith? Text me, and we're going to flash them up behind me. Second, what keeps you from fully trusting God? Because these two questions have everything to do with one another. Everything. I care more about you and where you're at on your journey of faith than someone struggling with us doing this. And so if someone struggles with us doing this, I'm okay with that. Because I want you to be able to be in a place that as we look at Scripture, you are able to ask and and have answers to the hard questions. And I'm not going to have everyone. But I really believe we are a church that desires to truly know Christ. So take 10 seconds. Whether you want to text it or not, do it. And if you don't want to, then don't. What is the one prayer request you have begged God to answer, yet it hasn't? And second, what keeps you from fully trusting God? Turn with me in your Bibles to Omar. Okay, now is Scott Hosier in the room? No? Okay, I was going to say, no goofing around, Scott Hosier. Because you know, we have no idea what that dude's going to be texting me during the sermon. So, uh, all right, that's not the point of this. Not that I'm saying Scott Hosier. Okay? All right. He's home. Yeah, he's home. Good. I'll tell him. Watch the video, cowboy. Turn with me. Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. Okay? This is a huge leap of faith for myself. All right? (laughs) This is, what's that? You got to leave the number up. 
leave it up for a little bit, and then we'll start flashing behind me. Let's read Mark chapter 7, 24 through 30, and we will figure this out together. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. Oops, wrong passage, 24. I messed up. You're all like, what? Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Here's what happened. Jesus left a Jewish area, crossed into a fully Gentile region. Now, Tyre was not just only a Gentile region, which were anti-Jews. It was a place where many of the Jewish people living in this area were living under great oppression because of the wealthy Gentiles in Tyre. They were the farmers. They were the shepherds. They were the second-class citizens to the Gentile people of Tyre. And so Jesus leaves to go there, and he goes to find rest. Now let's remember this. Remember the last time we talked about someone needing rest, it was the disciples. And Jesus crosses the lake, and right away, people need to be served, and people are in need. And so Jesus says, hey guys, let's serve them. I know you're tired. I will make sure you get rest. But you know what? Let's serve them, and then we will get our rest. And there was this place of hostility for the disciples saying, we just did everything else you told us to, and now you want us to do more. And now we find Jesus almost in that same situation. He's tired. He's exhausted. He even tries to go to a house that no one would know, that no one could find him. And in that, he's just going to find rest. In other words, this is really the first time in all of Mark we see that Jesus doesn't want to be interrupted. I don't think the word bother is proper. I think this is a time where Jesus is saying, I need rest, I need to hide, they're going to find me, and I need to just be alone. And we don't even know the name of the person's house in which he goes into. Verse 25. Right away a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. This was a woman of Tyre. She more than likely was an extremely wealthy woman who had heard about Jesus, who had heard about all the miracles that he has done. She probably heard about the story in Mark chapter 3, verse 9, about someone being delivered from the demonic. Now, you know what's really funny right now in our country, in the Western Hemisphere, is that it seems like every third or fourth movie is about possession. The haunting. Paranormal. The Exorcism 45. It's like every movie now has some kind of evil possession spin on it. And all throughout history, whether we try to to deny it or not, deep down, there is an actual belief 
an actual belief that evil is real and it causes havoc on people's souls. Do me a favor, Ethan, when you get these, just flash them up behind me, okay? All these prayer requests. This woman has probably done everything in her power to find deliverance for her child. This woman has probably gone to every sage, every doctor, tried every medicine, has gone to the chiropractor, everything. And yet, this child is constantly being tormented and tortured by evil. You ever have a prayer request like that? That you have done everything in your power that God would answer? Everything. And as much as you want to fully trust God, this keeps you questioning. This keeps you searching. This keeps you from that. And so she heard of someone who could bring the remedy of her child's soul. Now stop for a second. Think back over all of Mark. What has happened? Every time something like this has happened, what has Jesus done? He willfully and joyfully steps into that person's life and brings deliverance. He longs for this. He longs for people to cry out to him, to fall at his feet, to beg him for healing, to beg him for deliverance. Why? So he can point to the Father. It's not me. It's him. He sent me to bring you freedom. My Father only brought me for one purpose. To bring the kingdom of God amongst us. And so before you read any further, think about this. What is his natural reaction supposed to be? What? What is it? To help. To what? To help. What else? Deliver. To set free. To bring life. To not cause this little child to be tormented and being identified as a lunatic like the guy in the cemetery. Hey, you know so-and-so's daughter? Cuckoo. She's insane. Do not have her over for a play date. Trust me, never have her over for a sleepover. Your child will start levitating. And that's the natural reaction. That is the God that we worship, correct? That's the God that I want to go to that next passage and say, that's my Jesus. That's Him. Set her free. Speak a word. Boom. Lay a hand. Pow. But there are times that we look in Scripture and it ticks us off. Because we see things that, that maybe don't sit right with us and we don't know what to do with it. And I'm so fed up with us just sugarcoating the truth of what God is wanting us to be pull, that pull out of Scripture. Think. 
Think about it. What are some prayer requests? Do we have any of them, Ethan? What's that? They've been flashing? Some of them. I don't, my eyes are sleeping back here. There's things. And right now you're sitting there saying, yeah, I get you, Rob. I feel that way. Good. Because that's why you're here today. Let's continue. Since she was, was a Gentile, born a Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, this is really bad. First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. Don't you know that's why I'm here? It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And every other pastor will oftentimes take this and just go like this. First you should feed the children from the Jews and it isn't right to feed the children and the dog. And then she was healed. No, look what he says. First I must feed my own. And then you know what I can do? I can give the scraps to the dogs. We know that there's certain things that Jesus hated. He hated oppression. He hated poverty. And here was a woman of great wealth. Someone who more than likely kept other people in oppression. Made other people be poor. Make other people be lower than her. She walked around in her mink while they were just trying to keep a jacket on. She had her Uggs while other people had sandals in the dead of winter. She had a fireplace when other people had to scurry to build a fire. And we can take this right here and be like, man, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. And there's two ways to look at this. First, through the eyes of the Jewish people. The Jewish people did not have pets. They didn't. Dogs were outside animals. They were helpers. They were part of their livelihood. As a matter of fact, we just had a couple kids from Korea over our house. We had them for three weeks, and we have two dogs. Two dogs that act like humans, and it freaked them out. Because many people in Korea do not have dogs. Matter of fact, in the villages of Korea, they eat dog. Literally. I remember when, when Jesse was here, Jesse and Andrew, and they came from Africa, and they brought their one little daughter over, and, and she saw how, how my dog was trying to have me pet, pet him, and, and he was licking me and jumping on me, and she just went like this, whoa. Dogs don't do that in Africa. And so for the disciples, they're probably in the back going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Finally, Jesus, you stuck up for us Jews. Finally, you let people know that what you're talking about is about us. This is hard. Let's continue. She replied, listen to this. That's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Here's the kicker. To the disciples, they heard, a, they heard a harsh reality. Finally, someone is sticking up for us. 
finally someone is standing up for the oppressed. Coming against the oppressor. But this woman was witty. She was smart. She was desperate. And her context of what Jesus was saying to her was completely different than the context to the Jewish person. She was wealthy. She had a home. She probably had a really big home. She had animals, but she also probably had pets. Matter of fact, when you study the ancient times and you study Syrophoenicia, people had pets, dogs. And if you look at the correct translation of dog in this passage, it's a little dog. It's a puppy. And what this woman is saying is, is yes, I truly believe and I agree with you that you first came for the Jewish people. But I also know this. That you've come to take care of all of your creation. And as much as we think that Jesus changed his mind here, all I could see is this big old grin. Not that 70s stone-looking Jesus that we saw in the 1980s. But the true Jesus that just probably smirked. And said she got it. We've already seen throughout all of Mark that Jesus not only came for the Jewish people, but he came for all people. And even when this woman was told differently, she heard correctly. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's times in our lives that we think that we're hearing something that isn't actually true. And this woman listened to the words of Jesus and stopped and persisted to show the reality of God's love for all. Good answer, Jesus said. Exclamation point. Good answer. I bet you in that moment where Jesus was exhausted and tired and wanted to close the door, fully God, fully human, the tension the tension of this passage, fully God, fully human, fully God, fully human. Did he get tired? Yes. Did he get frustrated with people? Yes. Did things tick him off? Yes. But did he always see above and beyond everything? Fully God. Good answer, exclamation point. Big old grin, and let's see what he says. Now go home. For the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed. And the demon was gone.
They say that this is the first time Jesus ever changed his mind. And if we, as we read that in our human understanding, we have to say, true. Right? He was pushing her away. He wanted his rest. He was specifically hiding from the crowds. And yet his love overshadows all. And how often do we think that Jesus closes the door on us? Because he's frustrated. He's sick and tired. He could never do that in my life. And these two questions confuse the heck out of us because we don't know what to do. God, I have this one request. Why won't you answer me? And even when it's not answered, you keep going, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, but this trips you up. And here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. There's two things that we take from this passage. Two very simple things. The first is salvation. Yes, I am using that word. That Jesus came and was sent that everyone would have the ability to know God. And in this passage, we can see that in Jesus' frustration with humanity that there are things that keep us from God. And it's called sin. Yes, S-I-N. And all sin is simply is anything that replaces itself from God. Anything. We were born sinful. There are things that we run to so much faster to fill that void than running to our Creator. But the truth is this, and this is what I love about this woman. I mean, she, she's a stud of the Gospels. She even reminded Jesus of his mission. For God so loved the world that he what? Sent his son. And anyone who is willing to recognize their need for a Savior if anyone is willing to recognize that something called sin has separated themselves from the living God, and they recognize it, and they are willing to come before the throne of Jesus, they will be saved. For once I was lost, but now I'm found. And the sad thing is, is that the church has made the lost be those people. When Jesus says, they're my people. Those are my people. I'm going after them whether you want to go or not. A sinner just like me. A sinner just like me. Jesus' mission is for A-L-L. All. Why do you think Carl does young life to go to the unreachable? 
The kid that no one wants to talk to. Why? Because Jesus died for them just as much as for the straight-A students in AP Chem. And the only thing that brings salvation is not what we do good, but it's our recognizing our need for a Savior. The second thing is this. Persistence. Persistence. And oftentimes, exhaustion and confusion cause us to stop being persistent. Knock, and it shall be opened. Ask, and he will answer. Seek, and you will find. I really believe this year is a huge year in the life of each one of us. And I truly believe, and this is why we talked about fasting the the way we did last time, that God wants to break through things in your life that you could never, ever imagine. And I am standing here in the gap for you. Your unanswered prayers, Jesus wants to answer. There's four things we know about Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. That all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But God loved the world so much that He sent the Savior. And anyone who believes will find eternal life. And not only eternal life, but will have peace and eternity here. Second, Jesus is our sanctifier. He's come to bring transformation in you. That you are no longer the same person you once were. I love watching Josh every Sunday. Every single Sunday, I love watching Josh. Because every single Sunday, I see a man who is on a journey, who is being transformed every single day. Is he perfect, Allison? No. But, is he being transformed? Yes. I love it. I love it. I love seeing all of you. I love seeing what he's doing in me. But I also know this. Jesus is my healer. And if he's not my healer, then no one else is. And instead of running to everything else first, we need to be the people of God who run to him immediately. I mean, think about what Danielle said two weeks ago. I'm giving up smoking for the fast. She took that cigarette. Yes, most of us have smoked in our day, okay? Most of us, including me. And I smoked more than cigarettes. And there came a point that I had to lay it at the feet of Jesus, and I had to walk away and trust him. He healed her. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Jesus is our healer, and if he's not, we need to throw this away. I'm serious. But he's also this. He's also my coming king. That in this tension of already not yet, seeing and not seeing, struggling with faith and not having faith, that one day, no matter what happens, I'm going to be with my Jesus. He's coming. Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. And I am not going to shy away from that. Because today, you need someone who's going to tell you this. That prayer request, you are here today because Jesus wants to answer it. And you know what's even cooler about this passage? They did not have to bring this little girl in and have Jesus lay hands on her. And, and oftentimes we find that person and say, hey, let them pray for you because he will heal you. No, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Whether you're right next to him or you are in a completely different area, Jesus is our healer. And today that's our hope. That's our confession. God, in my lack of trust, be present. And again, we see this crazy tension in, in the Gospels of, of this unmiraculous miracle. What was the greatest miracle in this whole passage? Was it the daughter or the mother? Was it the daughter being delivered or the mother receiving mercy? I praise God for the mommy of this passage. Because we may be the only person who is standing in the gap for the broken. Amen? Seriously. You may be the only person standing in the gap for someone who is extremely broken. And we are not going to go into another Sunday praying from a distance for those who are hurting and broken. And we are not going to go another Sunday praying for those closest to us, present. Because we need to see the Jesus of Mark. Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way to 16. You know what the most beautiful part of the Gospel of Mark is? Even at the end of the Gospel, the disciples still struggled with their faith. Why? Because we're stinking human. Here's what I want to do this morning. We are going to do communion. And as you come forward, just like last week, it is our role to bless you. But we are going to do what we are doing every single Sunday. We are going to have a couple people up front and a couple people in back. And if you need prayer, just go to that individual and say, can you pray for me? You don't even need to say your request because Jesus already knows it. If you want to share it, great. If you don't, it's okay. But please, please, let's be the church that wrestles with the hard passages. Let's be the church that believes that Jesus is our healer. Let's be that church that is going to run to those who don't even realize they're lost. Let's be those people that in our work 
people that are struggling with, 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 with arthritis, people that are struggling with finances, people that are struggling with their marriages, that we would be the people when we hear their hearts and their greatest burdens, that we would say, today is the day of healing. I am praying for you. Because if you don't, no one will. And you want to know why I'm jacked up? I'm jacked up because I have prayer requests. I have prayer requests that I beg God to answer. And I have friends who are lost and who are broken. And I find myself lost at times too. Jesus, on the night of he, that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, you see this? This is, this is a, a, a resemblance of my body that's broken for you. Then he took the cup and he said, you see this? This is the wine of the new covenant, my blood that was shed for you. And here's what I want to do this morning. I want to invite everyone who today says, I need Jesus. Whether you've known him for a long time or this is the first time you say, I'm going to trust. I invite you to come forward. Take the bread, dip it in the cup. And if you need prayer, you go to someone. You just say, pray. Pray. And let's anticipate what God is going to do. Amen? Amen.